Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Alan Z. Alan Z is the Atlanta-based triple threat rapper, singer, actor. He is the epitome of resilience and his genre-bending musical styles allows him to be the lover and a fighter. His versatile sounds range from hip-hop to R&B and pop. Alan strongly believes in speaking up for Asian Americans and fighting against anti-Asian racism, which has fueled his drive and purpose to break down racial barriers and shift the pop culture paradigm. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate that intro. Definitely. I, I think that having you on the show is it's perfect for what we're going through right now. But before we dive deep into that, I want to hear more about your story, man. Like, where'd you grow up and how'd you get into this career? Yeah. So I would say my childhood was split between uh, two places. Uh, the first was Maryland, and that was like a black and Latino neighborhood. And then the latter half of my childhood was in Seattle, which was like a predominantly white neighborhood. And um, when I was living in Maryland, like um, for like, I guess the earlier part of my life, that's where I kind of found hip hop. And at that time, like, I just saw like these rappers as like superheroes, you know, like Eminem, Nas, Jay-Z. Like to me, they were like, it's like you put on a cape, like, you know what I mean? You put on like the outfit and, and like, um, you know, like had your verses ready. It just felt like something empowering that I didn't have in my life, especially as a kid, I was getting like bullied and, and uh, discriminated against for my race and whatever. I saw that as like an outlet. So when I moved to uh, Seattle, I was like in my head in middle school, I'm like, I want to be a rapper, you know? And that got me ostracized from school because, you know, the white kids were just like, why, why is this Asian kid want to be a rapper? It was like, they're like, I don't get it, you know? Um, and then because I knew that like I didn't have much of a future in music there, I moved to Atlanta for college at Emory. Uh-huh. So that was like my journey to, I guess, that led me to become Alan Z in a sense. Yeah, that's just really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And what was it like, like kind of growing up in your family household? Like, did they have like a, were they like strict Asian parents and did they have like a plan for you? Yeah, what did you study at Emory? Yeah. <laughs> How did <laughs> Well, yeah, like, I think I was fortunate enough to have, like, really supportive parents. Like, they obviously didn't want me to be a rapper in middle school because I told them I was going to drop out. And they were like, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> but uh, I think what they instilled in me was, was like, discipline and, and like, um, knowing how to survive, like, you know, in this world. It's like, you just, you can't be just altruistic and, like, super impressionable and think, oh, I'm just going to make millions of dollars doing arts, you know? So mm-hmm. early on, I was like, if I really want to do something that's, like, almost unrealistic i had i'd had to have my ducks in a row which is why i was like i'm gonna make sure i get my bachelor's i'm gonna make sure i know how to make money i get, I go into corporate if i need to which is why i did you know like once i um got my degree you know i worked like two years at amazon like the corporate so you know i was doing um like marketing and like uh, uh content creation for them mm-hmm. wow that's awesome i mean I really like your identity as a rapper. I mean, can you kind of talk through like your inspiration and how you got like, how you formed your lyrics and partnerships and everything? Yeah, talk about like when you first started, like what did you know that, like how did you know what you were gonna, you know, rap about, rap find about, your niche. You know? Yeah. 
you, you talking about as far as like the beginning stages, like when I was a kid and stuff to now or? Um, when you began your professional career. Okay. Okay. Um, well, when I started out, like in terms of like, uh, I'd say when I was 18, I, I started taking it more seriously because I, I was in Atlanta. Um, I was actually more leaning towards being a singer than a rapper because at that time I was like, this is the more safer path like the more asian the asian side of you is like oh, this is, you know people will accept a singer before a rap because i saw like you know asia Raphael, like jamie jeremy Patterson. i'm like okay this is more like uh accessible right but what i had noticed was when i started entering that route of like pop artists and, and like major labels are trying to like mold me and package me like they didn't know what to do with me and it frustrated me so much because i'm like one it was a lot of ignorance and two it was like with all these like pop songs, how, how could I address my frustrations? How do I t tell people about what's going on in my community? Because it's like, I can't, I can't do like Michael Jackson's Heal the World like for 12 tracks in a row. Like I, I, I had deeper lyrics I wanted to express. So I, I consciously made that shift as somebody who was more of a rapper than a singer. Cause at that time, like most people knew I was, I was a guy that sang, you know, but I was like, am I, like my friend, I made a really good point. He's a close friend of mine, um, he, he had said, People, if you start out as a rapper, people will believe you can sing. But if you start out as a singer and then you try to rap, people aren't going to take you seriously. Like Chris Brown is an amazing, like pretty good rapper, but no one cares that he can rap because he started out as a pop singer. Whereas there, there's like Charles Gambino, like he started out with, um, you know, Charles Gambino <laughs> as far as his music career. And he would transition to do Redbone. People believed it because they're like, oh, he's a rapper. He can sing. It's cool. Drake. Oh, he's a rapper. He can sing. But like no one cares if you're a singer that can rap really well because you already pigeonholed yourself as as the, the ballad guy. Right. Um, so when it came to like topics, um, a lot of my topics before, just because I'm a competitive rapper, was about how I'm a better rapper than everyone else. So it was very <laughs> just like, I'm a rap about, I'm better than you. I'm rapping about rapping. And then at some point, um, which was like, like in the recent years, I realized there was this wealth of, um, I guess, themes that people aren't touching on, which is our issues, the Asian American issues. And I took that a lot to heart because of just, especially with, you know, the hate crimes and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to talk about the history, the, the experience and how to reframe our narrative as a people, not just about me, but just as a collective. And I think that really strengthened my identity as an artist. It's like, I can't, I'm not going to take this part away from me. I'm not going to let no label tell me I can't talk about who I am and who my people are, you know? Yeah, I, re I really like that, that, that part of your identity forming too. I think we, we talked about this before, um, like an Asian Hustle Network social hour about about your your Asian identity and talking about that. You think you mentioned before that you there's a better allyship between you and the Black community before, whereas it was, it was more of a developing a relationship with the Asian community later. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. So when I was a kid, like I, I didn't really have that many Asian friends because I was super into hip hop, and at that time it wasn't like um, I guess something that people thought was normal, you know, um, especially where I was growing up, at least like if I was in a more diverse neighborhood, I, I'd say like, it probably would have been like a cool thing to, to be a part of. So, you know, I would just have more black friends. And then and at, when I went to Emory, it was like, you know, all my friends were black pretty much like 90% of them, even now, like 90% of my friends are still black. But I think that the transitioning point was, you know, like 2020, it was like, I just like my heart broke every time, like the news you know, broke about like another Asian crime. And it's like, I've noticed like my friends, I don't want to say they didn't care, but they just weren't aware enough to like 
check on me and I'm just like, I'm hurting and they don't care. No, this sounds terrible. <laughs> they didn't reach out. You know what I mean? And I'm like, the only people I can talk to about this are my Asian friends. Like, because we, we know I can, I, you know, I call, I'd call my parents every day just to make sure they're okay. And I just noticed that I needed to tap in with my community. It's like, even though I, at that time, I felt like an outsider, there was something I could do even as an outsider of the Asian community to like empower us because it's like, no matter where I grew up, who I hang out with, at the end of the day, my identity is my identity in terms of like my racial, uh, ethnic makeup. And so I think that the transitioning point was when I, that I'm sure you guys knew when I went viral for that black and Asian unity song that I did with wise Asian people started to like know who it was. And I really started to like, I wanted to like get involved more, you know, whether it was like to help out with fundraising or like just talking in panels, talking about the Asian identity. And I felt like I finally like found, a sense of belonging, you know, within the Asian community, you know? Yeah, I love that. I think like what you mentioned earlier is very true, how like when we try to reach out to other communities, they don't know how to help, right? And it's probably just because they don't know how they can resonate with us. They don't know like how they can be a support to us, but it's only if like we reach out, we try to like make that connection and like you putting out that song for Black and Asian unity. I think that helps a lot, you know, because they're like, oh, like, you know, I can resonate with this. I can, I can connect with it. Like I know how to help now. That's how we're more talks about allyship too. Yeah. I mean, like how can we as an Asian community work with other communities? Yeah, I, I really think that like uh, relationship building shouldn't just be transactional. It should be something that we do like um, outside of um, just trauma and, and pain. So I, I remember, um, if you guys remember the townhouse meeting that uh, Daniel Day came and Daniel Wu had, Lupe Fiasco spoke and there was something that he said that like really resonated with me. He was like, when it comes to the black and Asian communities, um, there's two things that we respond to. It's crisis and commerce. So crisis is like when, um, say like when the, when the elderly man got pushed and we respond to it because this is something urgent for us. And it's like, because this is like a, a black and Asian issue, like we get super worked up about it. And that's when we start addressing each other. Commerce is when like, say, um, you know, like anime, K-pop, you know, it's like being consumed by outside like, communities or like Asian people buying like, hip hop music, you know what I'm saying? Like streaming hip hop or, or like getting involved into like urban fashion and th this kind of like transactional like relationship. But like in order for us to actually have an, like a genuine understanding of each other, it, it comes down to like, not like, hey, what can I do for you? But like, how, how can we love each other? How can we understand each other beyond, um, I guess, wanting something from each other, you know? And that's why for me, I don't even like the word allyship because it feels transactional. Like it feels like, all right, I did this for you. So now I expect you. No, I don't, I don't expect nothing. I don't, I don't, because I want to do it because I want to help. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I care about you and you should, if you don't care about me, cool. But you know, I'm gonna do it because I genuinely care. So that's kind of how I see like relationship building. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a good point. I feel like I think like one of the biggest reasons why we're constantly stuck in this like racism cycle is because it, it's always transactional. It's always like, what are you doing for me? You know, so that I can do something for you. And like, if we continue to have that mindset, it's, we're, we're always going to be in that cycle. Yeah. yeah. But I do want to take this podcast back to Alan though. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk a little bit more about the industry itself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being an Asian rapper is really, is really rare and unorthodox, you know? And I really like the fact that your parents did support you through this journey. So shout out to your parents. But I mean, how, what was breaking into the industry like? Yeah. You know, what was the barriers of life? What did you, what kind of hardship struggles did you face in 
you know, things that worked out for you. Yeah. We want and, to hear more about it. And did you have any like pushback from certain people? Because yeah. I, know, I know, you know, you were surrounded by you know, people who were mostly non-Asian. So talk yeah. about that a little bit. Um, I would say like when it came to like uh, the people I was around, like they were really supportive. The people that weren't supportive or I don't want to say supportive, but that, where I got the pushback from was within the industry. So like every time I would get like discovered by like um, a record producer or a manager of, of some higher up source, um, the issue of race would come into the question. And so I started noticing like how I was treated differently. Like I'll give you an example. Like um, I, I'm not gonna say any names because you know I'm not I'm not about to you know I'm not trying to start drama with old uh, you know people that I had uh, dealings with. But I'll give you an example. Like had a, I had a meeting with like this producer and um this manager at the time and the manager was like hey um this is how we should strategize let's let's hide your face let's make you go anonymous delete all your all your social media and you know you come out you know you know people just know you for your voice and then when you actually get big with your music then they'll notice they'll find out you're asian i'm just like dude this is such a slap in the face to everything i've done you know what i'm saying like he's like and he's not the only person i've said it to you know and i, I think when he said that, it reminded me of the movie, the uh, the Five Heartbeats. You know, so it was about the um the R and B group, um and like what had happened with their album was, you know, there were five black dudes singing, and the the album cover is like a, a white family because <laughs> they're like no one wants to see like you know at that time it was like that's what the the issue was was like it was like they're not ready for you and I I I felt that about my situation. I'm just like oh are you saying that like my face me being who I am isn't good enough to like. For, is that going to be a turnout for people? You know what I mean? I'm just like, dude, I'm better looking than you. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but that's just one of, one of them things. It's like that. And then like people like constantly, you know, like telling me to wait to like, cause they're trying to strategize and like, you know, do all these market research. Like, well, well maybe we should just like, you know, start you off in China first. Let's go to like Korea. Oh, you know, K-pop so big. Like all these kind of like excuses as to not push me in America, which is why, like, as you guys probably know, like, I just decided to, to go a more independent route and partner with people as opposed to being under someone. Cause I realized the structure right now in, in the industry is very binary. It's black and white, yeah. you know, and if you're not within the black and white structure, they don't know what to do with you. So I wanted to do something um, that I know I have control over so that if, if I do partner up again with like, I guess more like major label people don't know how to handle me because I already have a foundation that I, like, this is how we're going to do it. You're not going to about, you're not about to mess up what I built. You know, I don't want them to build something that isn't going to last. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. I think a lot of people who are just like tapping into the industry, they purposely like accept those pushbacks because they want to get into the industry, but you were just like, you knew what you wanted and you knew like, okay, I'm not going to take this. Like I deserve to have a voice and I deserve to have my myself like exposed to to other people so you know i love how you're just like standing up for yourself i like that a lot yeah. man that's that's the way i would do too <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be like no heck no dude i'm pushing back <laughs> i'm doing my own thing now <laughs> you know yeah yeah and i can see the similarities between what your experience was and what asian hustle network is to us you know when we started asian hustle network we got a lot of pushback from from mentors and advisors saying that you guys should not be the face of the community you know, just stay behind the scenes and let mm. it speak for itself. And I feel like there's parallels right there because it's like, I, I'm not sure if like our own culture is conditioning us to not be in mm. front and other cultures are now like, hey, like maybe 
we don't know what to do with you, mm-hmm. you know? So there's a lot of parallels in that sense already. So, I mean, hats off to you for forging your own path, you know, and it's not easy. Yeah. Like to, to add to that, um, something interesting that I had read in the book was like, like hip hop, like people within like hip hop culture in terms of Asians have always existed, right? Like, um, so like break dancers, um, there's like great DJs, producers, right? But it's almost like there's that fear of putting the spotlight on the Asian face. You get what I'm saying? It's like, oh yeah, you can you can be behind the rapper, you can you can scratch all you want, you can do the, the designs, but it's like that's so when I was younger, I was like, I didn't like that. I was like, what is wrong with like what is wrong with how we look? Why can't we be the face of something? And it felt like, like you said, is it is it shame? Is it this ignorance that you feel like we don't deserve like any kind of attention because of how we look or whatever? So that's all why I always had that pushback because it's like, like you know, I got to take pride in who I am. I can't let you push me around and make me feel like self-loathing because you don't have confidence in me, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. And how, I mean, I see that you build a following over all your social media platforms, right? like TikTok and, and Facebook and all these things, like how have you built out these different platforms and what purpose do they serve on each platform? Yeah, um, I would say I started off uh, building a platform first on YouTube, just like most Asian uh, artists. <laughs> and then I transitioned into uh, like building one on Facebook because I noticed um even though people say it's outdated, there's still a wealth of like abundance of people to, to tap into, like as far as networking and like, you know, like uh, spreading awareness about things you're doing. So I was like, let me let me figure out a way to be personable and um, get people to know me because I'm like, yo, like Facebook, like there was so much options to like write posts, to share stories, to share like experiences where whereas like with something like a YouTube, you can't really do that unless you're like a really good vlogger. I, I don't like vlogging. So I'm like, let me just write little anecdotes about myself, get people to know who, who Alan Z is, even if they don't listen to the music. And then I started applying that to like other other um, platforms like Instagram. You know, I was like, I'm going to do, um, you know, videos like like posts where I talk about myself, you know, stories where I share about myself. And then once you fall in love with the person, I feel like it's easier for you to accept their products. You know, and I, I took that, I took cues from that from like, you know, like people like Cardi B. It's like, you don't have to know a word of her song, but you know that face and you know that branding. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to tap into what she's doing. So I apply that to like all my social media. Like I want you to, even if you say, yo, Alan, I've never listened to your music, but I'm going to follow you because you're a cool person. Great. I don't care. Now you're tapped into my network. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I, love, I, love that. I think you kind of like set your own identity too. You know, like I, I like everyone knows you as that rapper and and like, I know you as like the one who has the headband all the time and you really know how to like stand out, you know, you know. You, you also know. inspired me to uh, grow up my hair. Yeah. Like <laughs> Brian, Brian, to all the listeners who don't know, Brian was Alan Z for Halloween. He's my inspiration. In <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, thank you for uh, cosplaying as me. That was, that was awesome, bro. <laughs> That's also part of the reason why my hair is still so dang long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But out of curiosity, man, what was that? What was that? What is that breakthrough point for you, like in your in your career, where you're like, I can do this. You know, it's I can definitely do this. It's, it's my time to shine, and I I don't care what anyone else says to me. Um, the I think the first breakthrough moment was 2015 when I did like this show in Philadelphia, and I had started to amass a fan base. Um, and that was like a small breakthrough because I was like that led to like doing like small tours, small festivals. But it was for me, it was like, oh, this is possible. I don't have to be a bedroom singer no more. <laughs> you know, like I can actually 
get money, you know, in different states. But I would say like the 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 breakthrough that you mentioned where I'm just like, nothing can stop me. Um, I would say that was like 2020, you know, like ironically, you know, cause I didn't get to do any touring, but it was just using the power of um, just, you know, human connection and the internet. Like I think people really started to get to know who I was, you know? Um, and I, I, f I felt a certain momentum that I never felt before because um, instead of me walking with ego, I started walking with purpose. Like this, this platform I have isn't just for me. It's, for, it's now an opportunity for me to talk about like issues about my, for my community because I'm like, yo, like if non-Asian celebrities aren't going to do it, I'm going to do it because if they're going to talk about their issues, cool. This is my time to talk about issues con concerning us. So I think with that in mind, it, it uh, drives me more than if I'm just doing it for myself. Like, oh, I just want, I just want this much attention because it, it feeds my ego. Nah, like, that's cool and everything, but at the end of the day, it's about impact, you know? Yeah, love, love, love that. Yeah, definitely at the end of the day, it's about impact. And I think you've, like, really made a really huge impact just being able to speak your mind about, like, crimes against Asians and just, like, allowing other people to feel like they can talk about it as well, you know? I, will, I would love to know, like, what is your song that, like, you are most proud of? I know you have like a couple of viral videos, you have a couple of viral songs, but what is that one song that you are definitely like most proud of? I feel like that's a hard one because I haven't like put out the, the songs that I'm most proud of yet because it's like, you know, it's, it's you know, on a coming soon status. But uh, um, I could I could tell you guys like the three songs that I'm really proud of as like products. You know what I mean? As far as like like the actual like piece, I'm really proud of like the Asian American history verse that I did which by the way would be turned into a full song uh spoiler alert <laughs> but uh as far as songs that's out like on on streaming um I'd say hip-hop wise mm -hmm. um the chip I'm really proud of that one because I got to show people like the stuff I told you guys about like competitive rapping I just wanted to literally do a song it's, it's an excuse for me to just rap really well <laughs> um mm -hmm. I have a song called Blame It On Me Mm -hmm. um that's like the, my favorite R&B song that I've released because it shows like my vocal range and like certain things I'm doing like um, on that end. And then um, on the pop side, I have a song called Ride or Die that I'm really proud of just because I got to show that like fun pop Alan Z side that people sometimes may not know. Because like you guys said, like most people now know me as a rapper, whereas like five years ago, they only knew me as a singer. Yeah. So that, that change is kind of weird for me too, but I'm happier that they know me as a rapper because like, I, like, I, like branding wise, it's easier for me to go into certain spaces that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I only know you as a rapper. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because when we met you, you're, you're all... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for perfect timing, too, because when you created that uh, personal branding in Asian Hustle Network, you came out as a rapper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect timing, man. And out of curiosity, like, how did you learn how to rap? Like, I, I personally can't sing to save my life <laughs> in any way possible, and rapping is out of the question. Mm. Uh, like, how did you teach yourself how to rap? Um... I think it was trial and error because like, you know, like I'm sure you guys know, like my favorite rapper is Eminem. So I would, uh, I would just study people like him and they're, huh? You see the similarities. Oh, thanks man. Thank you. <laughs> like I just started studying like, um, like the technical side. So like, uh, while other kids were like, you know, watching like cartoons and like comic books, I would like dig in the crates and use LimeWire <laughs> and download a bunch of old hip hop albums from like the eighties and the nineties. And I would literally do homework on it. Like, Anyone that, like, I would go online and, like, read forums about, like, yo, these are the best hip-hop albums of all time. And I'll be like, okay, Illmatic, I got to study this. Okay, like, you know, like, Reasonable Doubt by Jay-Z, um, Me Against the World by Tupac. So, like, I would memorize them from front to back. 
mm-hmm. and I would I would study like the the rhyme patterns, like the imagery, the um the cadences, the the stage presence, the mic presence. I would just break it like break it down by category. I was so nerdy. Like I would break it down by categories of what they're best at, rank them by like percentages, <laughs> and like and be like, what can I pull out of this to make it into my own style? So. Yeah. That was kind of how I learned. Um, and then, of course, like my friends that, that were also rappers, they would like give me pointers about like what, uh, how, how I can improve my skill set. You know what I mean? So it was really just a lot of studying, which is like super Asian. But like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a total rap nerd. You know, like I could talk to you guys about rap for like hours. That's just how deep I am into like the actual art of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that takes a lot of dedication. I, I love the passion behind it. You know, I love how you found your passion at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of us struggle to, to find, you know, especially in the arts and, and music industry. It's like, I think I, I told my mom once that I wanted to act and she just made fun of me the whole time. <laughs> oh my God. You know what's so funny about that? I feel like Asian parents will not accept their children acting for some reason. It's just so like, yeah. I remember, yo, I remember, uh, cause you know, I, you guys probably know too, like I'm, I'm trying to like break out as, as an actor once COVID ends as well. And like, I remember, uh, saying that to a family friend while my mom was around and that family friend talked behind my back like a, behind a child's back and was like well yeah you know like alan wants to be an actor i'm like 10 years old i'm like and then my mom told me like, yeah she was talking crap about you <laughs> so it's this weird thing yeah yeah I've, and then you know things like that gives me that chip on my shoulder because i do remember hella chinese parents like making me like uh, almost like like the failure child so now like i think my parents are able to kind of like celebrate my accolades. So it's kind of not to rub it in their faces, but kind of like have that redeeming moment. Cause I wanted that for my mom so bad. Cause she had to endure all the kind of like snide passive aggression from like her yeah. friends. You get what I'm saying? It's like kind of like, oh, he's going to be a old rapper. Okay. And then it's like, here's my son on Netflix. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I think I, I, yeah. I like moments like that where I can like um, give my parents that redeeming like moments, you know? I yeah. love that, man. And, yeah, I really like the chip in your shoulder too. And we watch your skits on TikTok. Absolutely mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, man. Have you been taking like acting classes or like how to like how do you even practice? Um. So yeah, yeah. So like um, I started like I'd say in high school through like um camera work, improv, and things like that. Like um, and then I started I um my minor in um in acting. So I, I we did like scene work, diction, um, like uh theater acting as well so that was like my background in terms of like uh schooling um and then with the skits the reason i started to do that was because i know that like in order for me to like let my fans know what i wanted to do i can't just come out and be like okay guys so i know you guys know i'm a rapper but like i really want to act i wanted to just do it and see what the response was so um i think i started doing skits like 2017 2018 and like one of the first skits i did like it it went like semi-viral um and then people were just like, oh, man, this is really funny. Like, you, you know, you can, I didn't know you can act. So I did more and more and more. Like, literally every few weeks I would put out a skit just to get people prepared to know, like, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I started seeing the formula working, and then like you guys said, like, when TikTok, when I went super viral on TikTok and I hit, like, over 2 million, I'm just like, okay, this solidifies me. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to, you know, get made fun of by that Chinese parent no more <laughs> about, about wanting to act. You know, I'm like, I'm a... Um, stamp my name like I'm, I'm a rapper singer actor you know that's why i always mention in rooms i'm like i'm not just a rapper i'm a rapper singer actor you know yeah i love that mindset about you i think like even if you're just like starting out on acting you're still 
identifying yourself as an actor. And I think that's that's the most important part because as soon as you do that, people are like, oh, okay, he's an actor. You know, like as as soon as you like, you know, start identifying yourself as that person, then you know, like you've accepted yourself as that person. I really like that. That is so true. That is so true because my friends will clown me and be like, hey, you're no actor. <laughs> but like you said, identification is such an important part of it because, you know, words, affirmation, like all that stuff ties into like what you really can do, right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, uh, I see yeah. like your bio on like other podcasts as well. And you you also say, you know, you're an actor. So I really like that, you know, you're you're putting your foot down. You're like, you know what? I'm an actor and that's who I am. Um, so I really like that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And so like going back to your parents, you know, because you most of your songs are about like fighting against anti-Asian racism, did your parents have any reaction to that? Like, what did they what what did they think about it? Like, were they more like you know like don't talk about it, or were they very supportive of you and like rapping about that? Um, I mean, obviously they don't encourage it. You know, they rather hear me like sing about love and stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I think when they started seeing the news of like what was happening and they started to know I have a way with words that can like unite people and like get people aware. I think they were just like, oh, okay. Like I see what he's doing. Like I'm not, I'm not making like super controversial statements. It's like, it's like violence against Asian is bad. Like that. I don't know. I, I can't see how that can be taken out of context unless you're like super, like ridiculously like, like ignorant. You know what I mean? So I think, uh, everything is within context and everything is about intention. So I feel like if my heart is in the right place, you know, like I, I don't see how that should be an issue for anyone, you know, and maybe people don't like the fact that I'm more vocal about, you know, what's going on with our community, but like, this is what I care about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually need you to be more vocal in mm-hmm. our community because I, the way I see it, it's like, we're not vocal enough. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really hard for us to speak out on these key things because we're not, we're not quote unquote taught or conditioned to do so or, or sort of taught to like, I think there's a word in like Vietnamese or Chinese or something saying that if you help someone, it actually causes you more harm or something like that. Oh, that's so Asian. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a Chinese word for that too. That's like that in Vietnamese too? Yeah, there, there's a Vietnamese uh, term for that too. In Chinese too. Yeah, I think with yeah. that being said, it's like our, our parents are always very cautious. Like, are you sure you should be speaking up? Because you do, you might be the one being being pointed at and ridiculed. Yeah. Like 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 I've, I've heard growing up, it's like, you know, if you speak out, you put a target on your back. But then what I've noticed was like, yo, we already have a target on my back. So if I have a target on my back, I'm going to speak out anyway. Because, you, you know, you look at me as like the enemy. Fuck it. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean cuss. Sorry. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to cuss this whole time. <laughs> I was like holding back on. But, um, you know, I was like, you know, screw it. Like, I'm, I'm going to um, I'm gonna do it anyway because it's like, damn if you do, damn if you don't at this point. Right. Because if you don't speak out, they're still going to attack Asians. If you do speak out, they're still going to attack Asians. But at least... If we can bring it to mainstream attention, there can be more empathy and more understanding as why this is an ongoing issue, not just a COVID issue, but like an issue that was swept under the rug for so long, you know? I absolutely agree. Yeah. If, if, if we don't say anything about it, I feel like it's just going to go downhill. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I admit, like sometimes we post stuff uh, on Asian Hustle Network Instagram, you know, like, and we, we will get backlash from, you know, other communities from time to time. But I think it's super important that we do speak up about it so that we raise awareness and at least have help from like the institutional level so that they can know like what's going on. Right. Because if we don't say anything about it, they won't they won't ever know. Yeah. And, I, I, and, you know, I think I saw that post, Maggie, that you made and it actually the comment really made me angry because it's like, it's that kind of gaslighting that like we're so used to. And I think 
a big part of that is because we haven't been speaking of. So people have already framed a certain uh, narrative of who we are. So it's like when we challenge that, it's almost cognitive dissonance that kicks in and they're like, wait, what? No, no, you're not supposed to do this. this you know, and it's like, and so it's like, yeah, we have to, now it's our turn to reframe who we are, you know, and, and like really educate people and, and like make them aware, you know, and it's challenging because that was probably one of my biggest fears um, coming up too was like backlash. But now that I, I get it, like I actually get backlash. I'm like, man, F you too. I'm, I'm like, all right, what do you want to do? You want to fight me? Let's do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not scared no more because it's like, this is part of what being a, a personal platform comes with. There's literally no one on the earth who has a platform or, or fame that doesn't have haters or doesn't have backlash. It's, it's virtually impossible. You know what I mean? So we consider that a form of success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't have haters, it means you're not successful enough. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, too, it's like, I like your collaboration with other artists. Um, like, how do these collaborations come about? Do you reach out to them? Do they reach out to you? How do you guys brainstorm for, like, these different ideas that, that you want to perform on? Uh, which uh, which collaborators are you, like, referring to? Uh, like, Jason Chu. Like, or even, like, your your Black and Asian Unity viral video as well. Like, I just want to hear more about, like, how you found sure. that. Yeah, so... Um... With Wise, like, I mean, you guys probably know him from, like, my skits. So, like, we've been friends for a super long time. I actually met him on set for this uh, this TV, um, this web series that we were filming. Um, so, he was, I didn't even know he was, like, a, a rapper at that time because he was um, he was one of the script supervisors and, and writers. Actually, he was a writer for, for that web series. So, I knew him as a, as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and when that um, web series kind of got put into, like, a development hell, we just decided to kind of take our... Uh, creative ideas into our own hands. Like, let's just, you know, like, yo, let's just do viral stuff. Like, you know, if we can't get enough funding for this uh, series, let's just build up content until we can get like the show off the ground. Um, and then um, when he was like, hey man, you know, I do music too. You know, I started to kind of check his stuff out. And then um, when this whole like COVID hate crime, like rise happened and I started complaining to my black friends about it, Wise was one of the people that kind of like was, was sympathetic and was just like, yeah, it's kind of messed up. He didn't really understand much of it. So I had to kind of like, explain like 178 years of, of history of, like, of like what we went through like within like a 20 minute conversation so i just kind of like ranted I, I don't know how much he believed or not believed but like remembered but from that conversation i was like hey man it'd be cool if um me and you did something where we kind of like talked about uniting together because during this time where people are pointing the fingers it'd be cool to kind of have like kind of like a truce moment to like you know, speak about like how we can like find compassion within these times. And that's how that song came about. Yeah. Um, and with Jason, man, like we, we've, uh, we've been friends for years, but we started to see our um, like um, passions converge through, you know, that Asian identity. Cause it's like with him, you guys probably know, like he's been speaking out for Asian like issues for the longest time, super tapped into the Asian American like community. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to actually share with you guys that me and Jason are, are working on like a full length project together for this year. So like once uh once it's finished we'll, we'll definitely I'll definitely let you guys know. Yeah. But um yeah so yeah so it's just every every collaboration that I've had I feel like has been really organic. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that you were able to or you were willing to just offer you know just education on like one hundred and seventy years of. <laughs> that's super important. You know, like some people don't have we're that. Call, we're gonna call so you like, on that next time, especially <laughs> episode twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's true though. like some people don't have that patience to like educate people you know and that's the first step like you have to educate other people so that they know like 
what we're dealing with and like why we need support from other communities. So yeah. props to you. And apologies for catering this podcast for his activism. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all good. It's been on our mind so much. Yeah. And, uh, and the fact that we see you around Clubhouse so often speaking on these issues is like, we understand that it also bothers you as well. And we do it does. give you credit where credit is due. You know, thank mm-hmm. you for standing up for our community and speaking yeah. up. And because each voice matters, mm-hmm. you know, like it doesn't matter if it's from us or from other people. Like we just have to speak up in general. And when we look at people like yourself, Alan, like we see inspiration. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, man. See people that are are making a difference, and you know you are intertwining that quote unquote activism into your work, into your identity, and that's great because we see a lot of other um, Asian artists uh, recently do that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and when you talk to them, when you research them, the Asian part of them they've been denying it for so long. You know, just refuse to speak up on it. It's just until recently that. I feel like credits to the Gen Z and millennial generation that we've been speaking more of these issues than before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird because I think um, like when I was a kid, I didn't even think that was possible because I remembered before I even knew what gaslighting was, I was getting gaslighted in school because we had like debate class and then we'll talk about racism. I talk about Asian racism and every white kid was just like, oh, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even happen. Like they were just completely like, just not want to hear what I have to say. Right. So I didn't know that it was possible for us to voice ourselves like this. So with yeah. this kind of freedom to, uh, I guess, gather attention about our issues, like this is the time to do it, you know, and maybe like I think you guys mentioned, too, like even if it's not an instant gratification type of moment, it's it's a it's a work in progress. Like, let's keep let's keep the momentum because there's more and more people that are willing to listen and, and realize that uh, our issues are actually important, you know, to the grand scheme of um, just American like discourse. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, what, Alan? What has been like the biggest struggle you've had throughout your whole career? You know, I, I feel like you've definitely had a like a pretty good, reputable name for yourself. You know, you have parts where you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I just want to quit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was like that was like this morning. I was playing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, um. The hardest moments have definitely been um, the moments I've, I've shared with you guys about um, people in the major label system telling me I need to like, <clears throat> like hide my face, uh, you know, like way to you know put myself out, like write for white artists, you know, basically like, like give them my song so they sing over it. You know what I'm saying? Um, like uh, those type of moments where it feels like I, I felt almost like I should be ashamed to be who I am because I wasn't born into the right race, if that makes sense. Like those kind of moments were really hard for me. Um, on a more like personal level outside of like, I'd say um, the major label system, it was moments where I felt like no one was listening. So I, from the period of like um, 2016 to 2018-ish, actually no, 2016, 2019, I felt very uh, like downtrodden a lot of times because it felt like I was just putting out content without much direction. And I remembered um, I had a few like, you know, like networks that were interested in me at at, uh, at some point for like, you know, to tap into like reality shows and stuff. And when that didn't go through, that like broke my heart because I felt like that was the only shot I had into getting my word out there. And thank God, thank God I didn't end up on that show. I'm not going to say which show it was. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was probably, you know, probably good that I wasn't on it because it was a disaster. But um, yeah, those kind of moments really kind of made me feel like, oh, man, I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't have a shot anymore, but now that, um, 
you know, like thanks to you guys, thanks to like the, the community for like, you know, supporting me. I, I kind of see like, oh, this is a collective effort, you know, because I know right now it's not about the Alan Z show. It's it's about all of us having a voice, you know, and I, my voice can't be the only Asian voice because there's there's certain um, demographics of Asians that have a very different life from me. So I just want to be able to have that um access so I can, you, we can all allocate those kind of resources to everyone. I can't speak for the LGBT community. You know what I'm saying? I can't speak for like working class Asians. I can't speak for the Asian dudes in gangs. I want all of us to have that, um, that platform, you know what I'm saying? So to kind of like share these, you know, stories. Yeah. Okay. So Alan, what are your goals for the rest of the year, 2021? Um, so definitely the goal is to uh, finish that album with Jason that I mentioned. Um, we're super excited about that. Um, it's it's going to be tough because uh, we have a very strict deadline. Um, so it's, it's due in like a couple months. Are you in so, LA for this or is it all virtual? All virtual. Yeah, all virtual. So it's like, you wow. know, re- recording, like a lot of Zoom uh, like meetings, you know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of coordination. Yeah, yeah, coordinating. Exactly. Like like being like, okay, I record at a minute and 30 seconds in, <laughs> and then you record at two minutes and 30 seconds. It's a lot of like meticulous planning going on here to to make it work, but um, it's going to be good. It's something for the community. Um, once everything's more solidified and the, the press comes out, I'll, I'll, we'll definitely t- share more about it, but we're just really excited to do this. for the, it's, it's not even for us. It's for a, a community project pretty much. So that's going to be the main focus for this year is that album. Excited. And Alan, um, we have one last question for you. And that is what, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to break into the music industry that's asian that's asian um mm-hmm. and just like your tips on like you know how to speak up against um anti-asian racism yeah the first tip would be to not listen to everyone listen to only people you trust because there's a lot of, of like snakes and vultures out there that want to see you not succeed you know there's there's a thing in the, in the industry called like dream killers like people that literally will like break you down to, to, so that you won't uh, surpass them right mm-hmm. um so i think especially for us because like you know we're we're very like um i think we as a whole are, are like are built into modesty and like listening to other inputs which can can be to our, our detriment because if we don't walk into certain situations with the utmost confidence you know things like that can break us right like mm-hmm. um i do believe that like sometimes it's it's good to listen to your gut over everyone else because like there there's like great like um, iconic people that probably would not make certain choices if you listen to everyone, if that makes sense. Like the people that take risks don't listen to certain people. And I, I, I believe in that. So I know certain people, like, oh man, you don't listen to criticism. No, I just listen to people I trust. I don't listen to everyone because if I did, I, I just literally wouldn't do anything because people would be like, do this, Alan. Okay, no, don't do that. Do this. Okay. <laughs> and I just cancel both like actions out, you know? Yeah. Uh, the second tip as far as like speaking out is a uh, Definitely be prepared for the backlash, but in order to do that, um, educate yourself more than the other person. Because let's say if they come at you with a gaslighting tactic, you should know how to think three steps ahead of that person to bring awareness. And if they don't like it, F it. But the person reading that comment will know you're right. And so, you know, like like uh, my friend Jason, he gave me the, the best tip about like um, how to win wars on the internet. This was like three years ago. So basically, you don't fight the person you're commenting you're fighting for the viewership of whoever's reading your thread. You get what I'm saying? Like you're not, you're not fighting to win the opinion over from the, the, the troll you're win or, or the, the hater you're winning for the, your, your audience or their audience to read and see who's right. You know? So that's the important thing about, um, 
being super knowledgeable about about your um i guess what you're talking about yeah that's so true because the more you fight the person who's on the other side that they're not going to believe they're not going to see what you see but if you can influence you know other people your community your audience they'll back you up you know yep they yep. cost to educate the person who's on the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love and if all, if all else fails, block them. I, I always do that. I'll just be like, <laughs> you're stupid. Block. I'll wait, I'll wait 30 seconds so they read that I, I told them they're stupid and then I block them. <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Very good advice. And Alan, how can our listeners find out more about you online and more about your upcoming goals and plans? Yeah, so um, if you guys want to stay up to date with me, um, I'm everywhere at Alan Z Music, A-L-A-N-Z Music, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube. Um, and as far as like my music, if you guys want to stream it, it's on every platform under Alan Z, A-L-A-N, and last initial Z. That's Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Tidal, Amazon, all that. Awesome. awesome. It was awesome having you on the show today, Alan. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate all the great work you're doing, not only for your career, but our community as well. Yes. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much. 